Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this place. Thank you for these people. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you for all your word has done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to try not to read all this, but I worked really hard, and I don't want to miss anything. So I believe the hardest part about me getting up here and doing my testimony was trying to figure out where to start it. So I decided that it would only be fitting to start with Scripture. And I decided to use the same Scripture that I used the last time I stood right here, which was two years ago when we came back from Snowbird. And that Scripture is Deuteronomy 11:18 through 22. Take these words to heart and keep them in your mind. Write them down, tie them around your wrist, wear them as headbands and as a reminder. Teach them to your children and talk to them when you're at home or away, when you lay down and get up. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Then you and your children will live long in the land the Lord swore to give you. As long as there is sky above and earth below, faithfully obey all these commands I give you. Love the Lord your God. Follow all of his directions and be loyal to him. You may wonder why I picked these verses and why I'd want to start off where I left off the last time I stood here. But... It says in God's words to take it to heart and keep it in mind. And over the last 10 years, I have been going to our Tuesday night Bible study group. And a lot of us refer to it as free therapy. And I joke and I call myself a nerd, but it all started in that class. God's word gives life. It heals wounds and it gives you direction. That day when I stood here two years ago, I stood up and told part of my story. But there was a piece that I left off. There was a moment in that trip when I knew my life was about to shift gears, but I didn't know how much so. You see, on that trip, I had a horrible experience where I ended up screaming for my life going down the river. I had a horrible day that day, the day before going down a creek, but this day I got stuck on a rock, and the only way to get unstuck was outside of the boat, feet first, nose and toes up, with the rapids taking me where they wanted. Once the river rafting guy got me out, I refused to get back on the boat. Someone had to come and pick me up, and I joked and I told my girls that week that only prayer would get me back on that river because we had another trip on Friday. This is where I'd like to say watch what you ask folks to pray for. The last day of camp, I got up early and I found a quiet place and began to talk to God about it. That night before, one of my youth told me, I don't think I want to go down the river either. I think I want to stay with you and Rhonda and take pictures. Well, her words crushed me. I knew I didn't come to Snowbird to teach those kids fear. So I prayed God would help me out. And that morning while we were in worship singing, God spoke these words to my heart. He repeated them over and over the whole time we were singing that morning. This is your time to start all over again. Do you trust me? Well, at the moment, I knew he was telling me I had to go down the river. I had to do it for the youth, but I also had to show my trust in God. So, of course, I went down the river. But the more I thought about the words, I really thought that God was telling me that when I went home, I'd have to do the same thing. I just knew he was telling me to go home and trust him and start all over again in my life in regards to my marriage. You see, at the time, only a few other people knew about the battle that was going on in my home. Before I open this chapter of my life, I would like to say this is my testimony. This is my story. This This is all about what God has done for me. I've asked God to carefully guard my words and 
in regards to all of this, and I only want to share what will be used as a reference to God's power in my life. I can't share someone else's story. So the best way I can describe the battle in my marriage was I was living in a life carrying a burden for someone who I loved very much for a very long time who was stuck in a world of addiction. This addiction is one that proves that sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go and it will cost you more than you ever thought it would or imagined it would. The most respectful word I can find to explain this is lust, to which some of you may think, call it what it is, and I am, because it begins with lust. Unfortunately, in the world that we live in today, lust can take you in a lot of different directions very quickly. For many years, I lived a life fighting to be good enough. If only I were prettier, if only I was smaller, if only I were taller. So many if onlys. Looking back now, I see that it was never about me. However, after all these years of not being good enough, you start believing what is going on around you. I will say I tried very hard to be good enough, but when it isn't you that's the problem, it can't be you that fixes the problem. All I know is that the two of us worked and worked, but sin continued to work harder and harder and eventually won. In James chapter 1, it says, Temptation comes from our desires that drag us away. And then that temptation gives birth to sin. When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. These are the words that I said to Kevin when he told me, I can't keep doing this to you anymore. I don't love you that way anymore. The temptation had turned to sin, and it did give birth to death, and the death was our marriage. Kevin and I dated from the time I was 16. We were married six months short of 20 years, and we had a good life. We had great jobs, a home, retirement accounts, college funds, the whole American dream. We'd never been rich or lived in abundance, but we were blessed, and everything was about to start all over. This was not the start all over that I thought God was whispering to me about. I just knew he was telling me to go home and really, really forgive Kevin and from this moment on, act like nothing had happened, to give him a clean slate, just like Jesus does for us. However, this is not what God meant. He was really telling me, you're about to start all over again. You're fixing to turn 40, and you're about to start all over again. Do you trust me? You know, I was really glad that he did not just say, you're starting all over again. I'm glad that he did ask me, do you trust me? Because those words have rung in my head and my heart so many times since then. When I didn't know what else to do, when I didn't even know how to breathe, I would hear him reminding me the only thing I needed to do was trust him. I didn't have to worry about learning how to pay the bills. I didn't have to worry about how to raise my kids. I didn't have to worry about how to manage the house, mow the yard, fix the water, change the oil. All I had to do was trust him. This is where 10 years of becoming a Bible nerd saved my life. I have joked before that God (coughs) had me working on a doctorate of forgiveness. However, I do believe this is true. One would think when you are able to forgive your former spouse, you'd earn that doctorate. But then I realized there were two other levels. First, I had to forgive God, and then I had to forgive myself. And you may wonder, how would a person say they need to forgive God? To which I say, I am glad you were blessed. Because I know there's several other people in this room who will agree with me when I, when I say sometimes some things go so wrong that you'll find yourself 
faced with this battle as well. Satan used the very first lie that he told in the Bible on me. He told me that God was holding out on me. He said, all along, God could have fixed this, but he didn't for you. All along, I knew God could fix my marriage. But Satan kept whispering, he has chosen not to for you. God could have fixed it, but Tina, for you, he let it all slide away. However, the truth God showed me was that he had given us all free will. And this free will didn't go just from us to Christ. But this free will goes from person to person as well. And I had to accept the fact that Kevin's choices broke God's heart even more than they broke mine. I had to accept the fact that God was not going to make Kevin do for me what he wouldn't even make him do for Christ himself. God taught me to see Kevin as someone in bondage to the sin he had chosen. Being able to see this helped me to forgive him, to forgive God, and begin to forgive myself. I spent a long time telling myself, if only statements, that I had believed I was partly responsible for what Kevin had done. Now, please don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect. I was a really good wife. My mom spent her whole life teaching me to be a good wife. And the number one rule is, your husband comes first. And I did that. I got up each morning, I made his breakfast, I packed his lunch. I'd even go to the steps and watch him leave. I tried really hard. However, as David Chambers spoke last week, if you look far enough back, you can find your part and your responsibility in circumstances. And I must say my part in that was I never once asked God about Kevin. I didn't ask about dating him. I didn't ask about marrying him. I never asked for direction when it came to Kevin until it was too late. Now I know that I should have sought God's will. How did I think a 20-year-old could make a decision such as that without God's will? However, I did, and I know that if I'd ever asked God, God would have told me, trust me and wait. That is one lesson I know now. You see, I do hope one day to get married again. God created me to be a wife. He created me to be a helper. He created me to be an encourager. And he created me to be someone's biggest cheerleader. And I can't believe that he created me this way to leave me alone. And I remind him often what he said in the second chapter of his first book of the Bible when he said it's not good for man to live alone. However, until then, you can bet I am going to be praying. Not only am I going to be praying that God will send him, but I'm going to be praying for him. You see, God has shown me my worth and value. I know what I bring to the table, and I'm not just settling for anyone. I want someone who will love me for me. I want someone who gets my weirdness and even at times finds it cute. I want someone who loves to serve with me. And I want someone who's a bigger giver than I am myself. And I have told I've been told that I have high hopes, but really I keep thinking I'm just trusting God. I would also like to say what David said last week in Revival. The only way we can learn to trust God is by knowing exactly what his word says. 
You have to get the truth inside of you, and you have to teach it to your children. It has been my hope and my desire that I've done that with my kids. You see, they were really angry about it all. I was a broken heat, too sad to be angry. That's okay, they were angry enough for me. However, I did everything I could to teach them to get past that. From the beginning, I told my kids that they couldn't treat Kevin as unworthy because if we treated him as, a, as he was unworthy, he would believe it and then he would treat us as if we were unworthy. It was not always easy, but I tried my best to work things out. There was one time when I remembered I almost lost it with him and I said to him, do you know how hard it is to be nice to you? I'm the one who has every right to be angry, not you. And he responded, I wish you would be mean to me because that would make things so much easier for me. Let's just say that was all the encouragement I needed to do the right thing and regain my composure. Chris Giddens, one of our former youth ministers, once told us that we have to forget about our rights and think about our righteousness. And I've never forgotten that, and I've held on to it really hard for the last few years. Amazing things happen when you trust God. There's been so many people who haven't understood the choices that I've made along the way, but the one thing I was not willing to give up was my family. Kevin will always be part of my family. My kids deserve to have two parents who love them and raise them as a family, even from two different addresses. That meant more to me than my pride, and that meant more to me than being right. I won't stand here in line and say it was easy, and I got to hurt a lot along the way. I will, however, tell you it's been worth it. Somewhere along the way, whatever battles you face in life, you have to decide if it's worth it to win the battle or the entire war. And as with a lot of things in God's economy, they don't really match up to earthly responses. Sometimes the only way to win big is to lose. Even the Bible says the disciples thought all was lost the day that Jesus died on the cross. However, it was only in his death that true life could be won for all of us. As with Christ, sometimes we just have to die to ourselves and trust God for what's coming next. I must say, I knew all along that God was going to give me a testimony to share. There was no way after all all he had done for me that I could not stand up here and tell you and give him the credit. However, there's one part of of my testimony I'm really glad to share with you this morning. And that is, one of the greatest parts of my testimony has been all of you. God has put the most amazing people in my life along the way. There is a verse that I love to quote that says he puts the lonely into families. Well, that's exactly how I feel. In an email Kevin wrote in response to a friend right after he left, he said that I know Tina will be fine. He knew I'd be better off once he was gone and I could start to heal. And he knew that my church would take care of me. I bet he never realized how much of that statement was true. I could never imagine the support that I have received from this body of believers. You guys have given, prayed, supported, done things for my kids, loved us and included, you, included us in your family events. I have cried on your shoulders and your living room floors and even once on my sweet friend's lap. <laughs> the song we sung today, Redeemed, I had requested for her, for us to do that song because the first time the praise and worship choir had done it, 
was the first time I didn't sing with the praise and worship choir. And I walked calmly to that door. And as soon as I hit that door, I ran and I ran downstairs all the way to Patty Clayton's class. And I fell on the floor. Before I knew it, I had five women down there around me. All I could think about was the line in the verse that said, All my life I felt so unworthy. But there they were, down there reminding me just how worthy I was and how loved I was. From that place into this, that love has not stopped. Along the way, God has placed people in my life. He's actually given me new friends that I never would have met without going through this. He's given me ladies along the way to travel this road. About the time that Kevin left, there were two other ladies who were sharing in the same struggles. And God placed them on my heart to pray for each day. And I've got to say, God has brought those two ladies in my life now. And they're friends of mine, and I love them so much. Through the divorce care class that I took, he gave me a best friend to travel this crazy journey with. And she's lived through almost exactly the same thing. He introduced me to a gentleman who has helped me by giving me so much advice and guidance and all things hunting so that I could try and help and share with Jesse. This person even hunted down and delivered bullets for Jesse's new gun on Christmas Day when we couldn't find them any other place. God brought back one of my oldest friends I grew up with to help me to remember who I was and to teach me how to stand on my own two feet. I really cannot get over all the people God placed in my life. I noticed on one of the apps on my telephone in this past week, it gives you a history of what's happened, what you've recorded on your phone, that during this week, like two years ago, I had three different people, three different random people pray for me. One of them at the bank, he just stopped me after everything was done and said, can I pray for you? One who had come to my office, we had talked, he left. He got to S.P. Gentry's store, turned around and came back and told me I was supposed to pray for you. And I didn't, but God wouldn't let it go. And the third one, she said in a meeting with all of us as a family, and after everybody left, she looked at me and said, you handled that like a pro, and she prayed for me as well. When three random people ask you to pray for you and do it right there in front of you, that's God. Those three people were obedient. Those three people encouraged me to be bold like that as well. Each one of them have a purpose in my life, some of them to protect, some of them to provide, some of them to motivate, some of them to push me along and not allow me to give up on myself. All of them I would have never had the chance to get to know the way I have gotten to know if things would have stayed the same in my life. So I'm grateful for all of you. I may have lost one person in my life, but God has restored my life with so many people. But when I look back, I realize how blessed I am by him. He has protected me in ways I never understood or ever cared knowing about. I have so much more I would love to share with you guys, but I know I've taken up enough time. I have given God the lead in what I wanted to say, and I'm trusting if there's something I left out that it was not supposed to be said. I hope something I have said blessed and encouraged you. To those of you battling your own battles in life, I would like to remind you of a few things. First, trust God and not yourself. God could do so much more when you let him. He will let you fight your battles as long as you want to, but it's really no need. Also, I would like to say let go of bitterness. 
Bitterness is something that you begin to hold, but in the end it holds you. Forgiveness seems like you're giving up on the battle, but the truth is you are setting yourself free from pain. Don't stay tied to pain just because you feel justified. And to end, I want to end with scripture just like I began. The first one is um, Job 42, verses 1 and 5. And this is Job's response to God after all that he had been through. And after he responded this, God restored everything he'd lost. And he said, I know you can do all things and no one can stop you. And he also says, I have only heard of you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. This is exactly how I feel. Who I am, who am I to question the God and creator of the universe for the trials I had to endure? God did not create them, and even though he allowed them, he did not allow them to destroy me. Instead, he used them because I allowed him to, to build me and to strengthen strengthen me and hopefully to let me encourage other people. Just like it says in Proverbs 51, 12, and 13, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me obey you. Then I will teach your ways to others, and they will also return to you. Praise and glory be to God for all the things he has done in my life and through all the things you guys have done in my life in regards to me and my family. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. As Tina said, she had shared with a number of folks, and let's be honest, as, as church families, when something happens in someone else's family, we, we see and size it up. These have been difficult years for Tina and um, knew that the day was going to come when God was going to give her the strength and also the words to give in a testimony. She shares that to not only share what's transpired in her life and in her family, but to bear witness to the faithfulness of Christ. All of us are in different places in life, um, but God is faithful. I didn't realize the words in the offertory hymn that we sang, In Christ Alone. Let me just read you part of one of the lines. Listen to this closely. From life's first cry, the final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ. I stand. Folks, do we realize how close the Lord is to us, not only on the brightest and sunniest days, but on the darkest and gloomiest hours, he is there. I want to encourage you for next week to read Psalms 2. And I'm not, I'm going to stop, I promise you. I'm not going any farther than that. Life is getting harder and harder, isn't it? The world is changing in ways that I'm very frustrated. And to be honest with you, I'm very discouraged and depressed. But we must keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. God is still in control of our lives. And may we trust Him. 
And may we too give testimony of his faithfulness to us. Our hymn of decision this morning is number 413, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You're going to have to get your hymn book out because, again, the computer's not up. Number 413, the altar.